Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges. Precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. It's wonderful, it's marvelous that you should care for me. It's awful nice, it's paradise. Long to see You've made my life so glamorous You can't blame me for feeling amorous Oh, it's wonderful It's marvelous That you should care for me Welcome to Blind Living Radio I'm your host, Harley Thomas, in the HP studio And I am joined today by Mr. Mark Wilhelms Hello, Mark Harley Thomas, we're going to swing it today. We are swinging a little Diane Schur in the background. There's a reason for that. Why is that? Because we're going to have her on the air today. No way. Yes, ma'am. You know. Yes, sir. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Ma'am, sir. I'm used to saying yes, ma'am everywhere I go. I know. You've been traveling a lot. Yes, I say yes, ma'am a lot. It's nice. A lot of time on military bases. (laughs) You have to say yes, man. Yes, sir. It's almost uh, like you're at home, Mark. I am at home, and I'm home with jazz. I've been a player and a jazz fan forever, and you know it's my deal. Every time I have ever gone anywhere with you, we always go to a jazz club. Yes, and that, that is true. No matter what city you're in, you will find the jazz club. Yes, and everyone knows it now who travels with me. Although yes, I was in Montana do. last week, and there's not a whole lot of jazz happening there. You but, were in uh, the middle of, of nowhere, though. Yeah. I had fun. You know, music is my mistress. I love it. Since I was a kid, and I, I'm a jazz pianist, and I played professionally for a long time, and I don't anymore because I work here as innovation officer, which is a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. And I think some people around here think it's funny that you own more than one piano. <laughs> yes. They, they don't know that you own uh, many pianos. I have more pianos than people, but I'm like a guitar player. You know, guitar players have different guitars for different reasons, and I'm the same way. I have... I have a baby grand, of course, and then I've got a Fender Rhodes, and I've got, you know, Roland, and I've, you know. It's no different than the CEO of Industries for the Blind, C.J. Lang. He's got several guitars. Yeah, he's a guitarist. Yeah, a lot of, actually, a lot of players here are, uh, and jazz players are here. We're a musical culture. We have an awful lot of blind employees here that also play music. Yeah. Dion, Dan, Tony. We've got a whole slew of folks that play everything from drums to bass guitar keyboards. It's great. Music spans all cultures, all disabilities and abilities. It doesn't matter. You know, it's all about making great music. And today with Diane Shore here, we are really going to get into it. I'm really excited to have her. I mean, she is one of the legendary, legendary, one of the most important jazz vocalists of this generation. Three decades. I think she is. Yeah. Three decades. She's been singing. Yeah. To the White House several times. Won two Grammys. She's right? a big hitter, Mark. Over 20 albums. She's That's played with everybody, too. B.B. King, Stan Getz, Barry Manilow, Maynard Ferguson, Stevie Wonder, Sinatra. She has everybody. been with some of the greats. Yeah. She's she's really one of the top. So we're really fortunate to get her on. I think we ought to give her a call. She's waiting for a call. What do you say? Let's dial her up. Okay. Hey, Harley. Hi, Mark. It's Beatles. Hello, Deedles. How are you, Diane? How are you? Good, dear. I'm good. I'm Mark. I'm Harley. Can you tell us apart? 
I'm I, not sure yet, dear. <laughs> I like it that you call him dear. I think that's awesome. That's right. See, we're already close. <laughs> you know what? It's an endearment slip out, total strangers. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just one of my favorite endearments, say. Here's what I want to do, Deals. I have so much to talk to you about. First of all, on a jazz level, there's so much that we want to know about, and I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, the Grammy Awards and the White House visits. And, you know, you've done it all. And I think personally, you're one of the you know most important jazz vocalists of, of the generations. And I'm not just talking about one. I mean, the last, you know, major generation of jazz, and it's terrific. So I've got all that to ask you about. But then there's your personal life. Diane, you're the person. And you've got such a fascinating story. Well, you know, I, I was married for 17 years. And because of my husband's illness, of Parkinson's disease and and different complications. I just couldn't handle trying to be a caregiver and deal with a career at the same time. It just became too much for me. Diane, what our listeners probably don't know is that you are totally blind since birth because you were born with retinopathy of prematurity, ROP, correct? Yes, that is correct. And you have no light perception, is that also correct? A little? No, not entirely. I have a little bit of light perception, a tiny bit in my left eye. I can tell when the sun is out or when it's cloudy, anything like that, or if there's a really bright fluorescent light, I can tell. If I'm on an airplane, I, the window is open, I can I could actually see it with my left eye. You know, I mean, I got what I got, so... You got what you got, and when you're up on stage, you probably see the bright light, all the spotlights on you, because you kind of live in the spotlight over the last 30 years of performing. Oh, yes, uh, it's been quite a journey. You know, a few different managers, which I get typical of, you know, a career like mine. Jazz, as you may know, has always been a little bit of a struggle, even though it is an American art form. But I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I mean, I enjoy listening to other types of music. You know, it's, it's, it's just, I mean, I could talk music forever uh, with you and other musicians like most musicians can. And this show, we like to, to say that we inspire the blind and enlighten the sighted. And you've got mm-hmm. such an incredibly inspirational story. Uh, I'd like Aww. to go back to when you were, you know, a little girl or even even as a, as a baby. I mean, you were prematurely born, placed in an incubator. Yeah. And from that point on, how is it that you started singing? The music, I was always exposed to it. Mom and dad would have the radio on constantly. I can remember in the high chair, like on radio, they had Art Linkletter and they had all sorts of different things. And then, of course, there was television and I used to lie in bed. My folks thought that I was asleep, that I was awake. And I think even then I was experiencing non-24. I like the story um, of how you're how you're absorbing and processing sounds and music and things that are happening in the media, of course, without being able to see. I remember when I was growing up, I would listen to an AM radio at night. I was supposed to be sleeping, but I was listening to Rochester, (laughs) New York, and that jazz station they had on AM. And I was mesmerized because... They would play all these great jazz, you know, artists. And I I got to the point where I could listen 
to a player and I knew what he was. You know, I knew who it was. I knew it was Stan Getz or I knew it was Coleman Hawkins. That just moved me into a whole new dimension. And I can imagine how you were influenced by all these wonderful singers. When I was a little girl, for whatever reason, the music that I listened to were the Beatles, uh, Elvis Presley. I did get to listen to people like Jack Jones in the big hit Wives and Lovers. God, I remember that so clearly when I was at the State School for the Blind in Vancouver, Washington. I listened to AM radio a lot as well. You started singing at a very early age. Was it 10, I think, 10 or 13? Professionally, I started at age 9, or I was just barely 10. What, who well, inspired you at that age to continue singing? Well, you can actually hear one of the songs uh, on an album called Some Other Time, but next to the last track is called September in the Rain, and that's January 4th of 1964, at the Holiday Inn in Tacoma, Washington. After that, then from 13 to 21, what did you do? When I was 14, I auditioned at Harris Club in Lake Tahoe. And because of my father's job as a policeman, he wouldn't allow me to, to go and do it. But I did get the audition, but I wasn't able to follow through on it. And then, you know, I would perform at this club called Steve's Gay 90s. On weekends, I would take the train back and forth from the state school on weekends, which was pretty cool for me. And I rode trains by myself since I was seven years old. During 13 to 21, yeah, I, I still worked professionally. I was on the March of Dimes telephone many times on KIRO TV in Seattle, Washington. The first time that I did it, Maury Amsterdam heard me. I went to sing for George Shearing before my mother died, actually. That was one of the things that she was able to do for me. George Shearing, one of the great pianists, of course. And I was very heavily influenced by George, very heavily influenced. I want to talk to you about Stan Getz, one of the great catalysts of your career. So tell us about Stan Getz and how you met him. Yeah, we met at the uh, Monterey Jazz Festival in 1979. That was my second performance there. And I played a couple of selections on piano and just sang. And he said in his gruff voice, I'm going to make you a star. And yeah. I thought to myself, oh, yeah, I've heard that a lot. Before. Yeah, right. And actually, he came through and got me to the White House in 1982. And that's on YouTube. You can look for it. That's fantastic. That was Ronald Reagan. Right. And Nancy Reagan was there. And at the end of the performance, she came up and gave me a big hug. Very neat. Yeah, it was it was very cool. And that was only your first performance of three at the White House, right? Yeah. I Actually, two performances at the White House. Once in 82 and the second one for the Senator's Wife's Luncheon in 84. But I've, I've been there many times since. And then, of course, there was the Kennedy Center Honors where I paid tribute to Stevie Wonder, right? And you just got done paying tribute to Ray Charles. Um, unbelievable musicians. It was on NPR, which has 200 stations or more. They recorded it, and what an honor to be able to pay tribute to such a legend. And he has been a big influence in your life. You have what we call country chops. I mean, you're a marvelous singer. You did an entire record of country tune, and Ray Charles paved the way for you. Yes, because the album The Gathering was produced by Steve Buckingham, and there were a lot of songs that Ray Charles had, had done, and it was such a pivotal part of my life. My husband, whose nickname is Rocket, Rocket was very, you know, as I told you before, was very ill, and I really went to an emotional place on that particular record that I'd had never really gone to before, you know, and really be able to tell a story. That's the thing about country music. Darling, I'm saying 
wonderful share a memory of frank sinatra we are huge sinatra fans of course sure the first night we were at frank sinatra's house you know he loved his booze and i did too at the time so i have a memory of us tipping and tripping what we didn't actually trip but that's that's an expression i use sometimes (laughs) 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 he and i held hands we were watching this movie that george burns did called 18 again that's one of the memories that I have that's very, very precious. And I don't know if your audience knows this, but he gave me a painting. What? Oh, that, my God. One of Sinatra's paintings? You own yes. it? It's, yes, I own it. Mm-hmm. What, what is it of? What does it look like? It's an abstract. It's kind of like, it's so weird because it's a desert kind of abstract. It's an oil painting. And it's so interesting because on the back, I don't know if I can quote him verbatim, but he's he said, I've seen the world, but if I could give you the gift of my eyes, he would. And so he just went ahead and gave me this painting, and it's right next to my refrigerator. Every time I go out into the kitchen, sometimes I just give it a pat. It says Frank Sinatra on the bottom. He was a compassionate guy, and that's a that's a terrific story of him. It is. It is. He really loved me a lot, and I not just because of the artistry or anything like that. I think he really did love me as a human being. Let's take it nice and easy It's gonna be so easy For us to fall in love Hey baby, what's your hurry? Relax and don't you worry We're gonna fall in love Let's make all the stops along the way The problem now, of course, is To simply hold your horses To rush would be a crime Cause nice and easy does it every time Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
Tell me about the acceptance of jazz in the United States as opposed to other countries. I just don't think that it's as much appreciated here as it is in other countries. Although the work that I'm getting now, it seems to be increasing. Well, Deedles, um, you certainly do have quite a list of upcoming venues and yes. shows. And the one that I think is really cool is you're actually doing a super cruise that sails yes. out of Miami. Have you done that yes. one before? And, and what's it like to do jazz on a ship? I have not done that before. I did the Holland America cruise in 1994. That's where I met Rockette, actually, and fell in love on that cruise. Really? So, yeah, that definitely was a love boat for it's me. It's the love know? boat, right. It was the love boat for the deeds, you know? What? And I'm really looking forward to this cruise, too. So, yeah, and I'm going to Mexico in October, the same month. And we just got a offer to do Japan to do... The Cotton Club and, and the Blue Note. Yeah, I'm doing Burlington, Vermont with the Basie Orchestra. And you're right. There's a lot of stuff, man. So maybe some things are changing. You've been listening to Blind Living Radio in an interview with Diane Schur, better known as Deedles. Mark, this has been a great part one. It has. She has so much to say personally and professionally that uh, I'm looking forward to part two next week. Me too, because part two is where we learn even more about her decades and decades of experience. I know it. Five Grammy nominations, two Grammy Awards. She's performed at the White House, Carnegie Hall, Ray Charles, Dizzy Gillespie, Frank Sinatra, Maynard Ferguson, Stevie Wonder. The list goes goes on on and on on and on. That's right. It's incredible. So next week. Next week, tune in for part two of an interview with Diane Shore, better known as Deedles. You've been listening to Blind Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas in studio with Mark Wilhelms. We'll see you next week. I've got my trouble and go, but so 
listening to and supporting Blind Living Radio. You can support Industries for the Blind by ordering any of our products from blind-made.com. That's blind-made.com. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges, precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Hi, I'm Diane Shore, and you're listening to Blind Living Radio. 